Welcome back in everyone to a fantastic new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have a great show in store for you today. We had the pleasure of seeing the work being featured on today's show about a week ago and it was absolutely fantastic. It was such a great time, a sweet tooth, if you will. And joining us to talk about this piece, we have the co-playwright and star of the show, Mark Castle, and the co-playwright and director of the show, Mark Finley. Both of them are part of the show Deadly Stages, which is playing now through March 16th at Theater Row. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting bfany.org. As I mentioned, it was so much fun seeing the show. If you are a big fan of old school Hollywood or just the fun whodunit kind of shows, this is the one for you. So let's bring on our guests who are probably more equipped to talk about this than I am. Mark Castle and Mark Finley, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Very excited to kind of dive more into this fun piece that I had the pleasure of seeing. And Mark Castle, let me start with you. I would okay. love if you could tell us a little bit about what Deadly Stages is about. Oh, great. It's, uh, it's, it's sort of an homage to 1940s, 50s backstage movies, sort of like All About Eve and a lot of ones that are not as famous. But Mark and I both are old movie buffs and and we had talked about this a long time ago about working on something together. And I had this idea. And somewhere along the line, <laughs> we just found out what was so funny was that we had first talked about this in 2012, actually. And then it kind of got shelved. And then I bumped it to Mark. Mark was directing a reading in my neighborhood. And we went to it and he came over and he said, do you want to go back and work on that piece again? And I said, yeah, great. And that was literally, it showed up on Facebook as like a memory five years exactly to the day that we opened on Sunday. It was was like, you know, the world is telling you something. It was just so bizarre. (laughs) It was like, wow, that's incredible. And... It was it was a labor of love. I mean, we, you know, got together, we we mapped the whole thing out and started writing. And it took us about six months to get everything right. And we did a private reading just for ourselves to hear it. I wasn't in it, so I could watch. And what was great was that, you know, some of the actors were like, this is a first draft because we had so planned it, you know, from beginning to end, you know, and because we have a, a number of characters who play more than one person, so a role. So we had to work out, you know, when this person goes out and this other person comes in, you know, and how much time do they need off stage to change and, you know, all that kind of thing. So I thought we did an amazing job of getting all that right, right away. So we're very proud of it. And it just, it moved so quickly and we were ready to start a public reading. We had planned a public reading and it was for April, 2020. (laughs) And I'm sure most people know what that was. (laughs) (laughs) And so that reading got postponed a year and a half. So everything kind of got moved, you know, so it's, 
It's five years, but it should have been a lot less. But it's it's been a, a joy from beginning to end in terms of, you know, just working with Mark and these incredible actors that we have in the show. Yeah. So now I'll shut up and let Mark talk. <laughs> well, he kind of covered everything, so. <laughs> no. no uh, okay, good night. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was sort of interesting, the process, because I think part of the reason that it it is as tight as it is right now is because of the work we were forced to do because of the pandemic. We did, as Mark mentioned, we did, he said we did one public reading. We actually did several and we switched the casting around because we wanted to make sure that we weren't relying on the skills of one particular actor because they're better at this kind of multi-character playing thing. And then when we were forced into lockdown, we actually did a Zoom reading of it where everybody plays at least two roles. Some people play three. We did it where we didn't double cast anybody. So we had a cast of, you know, well. 12 people <laughs> well, at least. Yeah. And to see if it played that way and it discovered that it it was a different animal. So I, I'm not saying that I'm grateful that the pandemic happened, but I, I feel like we didn't, uh, it didn't, if anything, it, it forced up to us to be me, more creative and even more focused about the, about the project and the process. So yeah. we really knew what it was and what we wanted by the time we hit the ground and started auditioning and casting and working on it. So that was super helpful. Well, I will say that, I mean, the the we did two Zoom readings during the pandemic. And the, the first one was the one with 12 people. And, and actually, I think it was my idea just for the fun of it, just to keep it alive. Mm -hmm. I don't think we ever thought that we would do it with 12 people. But it was kind of an interesting choice. And it was fun in a way because we got to use actors from all over the country. Right. We wouldn't have been able to use otherwise. And. So it was kind of a fun exercise, but we did, we, we really only did two public readings for, for the public before this, we did a number of private readings and zoom readings as well, but we, you know, it was in really good shape. You know, we've, we've made changes, a little bit of changes along the way since the, the public readings, but most of the stuff we did was early on before the public readings of just, you know, listening to it and, you know, getting some feedback and making the changes. So That's true, yeah. here we are. So that is fantastic. I love the journey this show has gone on. This is amazing. Mark Finley, I want to go back uh, on this question with you. Now you mm -hmm. both mentioned that you're inspired by the, the old Hollywood, you know, like the forties and fifties. Is there a specific thing or story that inspired you two to write this show? Well, I I don't want to do too much of a spoiler, but we we had we have what well, we we sort of speak a common language of old film, so uh, classic film, not old film, classic film, and so we we kind of focused on the the sorts of things that we like and the sorts of things that would fit very well into the sort of theatrical vocabulary that we were going to speak in that we're, you know, doing theatrical things in that you've got one actor playing three parts. You've got, you know, super fast scene and costume changes. It's, we're doing, we're not trying to be cinema, we're, we're doing a cinematic style in a theatrical venue. 
So what kind of story is going to lend itself to that easier? And we sort of focused on backstage stories, you know, the the old MGM musicals without the music part, All About Eve, Forever Female, Black Widow, Velvet Touch, Stage Fright even, anything that's, you know, has a sort of backstage vibe to it and sort of put that in the hopper and, and mixed it around. And, and, and we wanted to try to set the time in the 1950s so we could borrow from other genres as well, so that we could sort of set it in the time where television is just starting to take off and starting to kind of change the entertainment industry and how theater is viewed. And even radio is is still up there, but kind of on its last legs, you know? So we're, we're able to use these different kinds of media to tell our story in, in a, a fun and, and sort of ever-changing way so that you as the audience member doesn't get used to a certain particular approach, you know, like you're getting a radio broadcast, you're getting a TV broadcast. Now we're on stage, now we're backstage, now we're, we wanted to sort of keep our storytelling camera moving so that the audience is sort of always engaged. They don't get, you know, too set in one position. So I always find that stuff interesting as an audience member when you go in with expecting one thing and you're sort of rewarded by getting more and like a, a more enhanced experience, you know, something that you can really kind of walk out with. So that's what I like. It's so fantastic. I love that. Mark Castle, coming back to you now, you both have mentioned the the lengthy journey the show has gone on, you know, several reads of the show, but now we've got it up on its feet at the at Theater Row. What has it been like developing this current iteration of the show? As I said, we did two industry readings now almost two years ago. And that was and from there to now has been, you know, essentially putting it together. We had an extraordinary cast for it. And what I loved so much was that everybody was really into it was there was this joyous feeling within the cast of incredible people and we wanted to keep that that was a big thing for me we lost two actors because they got big jobs because they were so good and when we were recasting and for the understudies as well i was you know we we wanted people who were obviously wonderful actors and who could do this style. But beyond that, we wanted people who really wanted to do this, who who really wanted to be in the room and really nice people. And we really lucked out because yeah. everybody, not only are they phenomenal actors, and if you come see this, trust me, I mean, just, I'm like, you know, but they're also, all of them, so nice, so easy to work with, so happy to be in the room. And that that's a big, big thing for me. You know, I mean, I think we've all done shows where, you know, you're like, oh, God, I don't, I, I'm not even sure I want to get to work today because, you know, it's not a, a fun experience. So I'm 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 so grateful for that. I'm grateful for all the people in the show. And it's and to, it's been a, a, just a love fest. So and to kind of piggyback on that. I think the biggest change for me, I don't you can chime in here, Mark, as well, since I completely interrupted you. No, I'm strange. What's been the the next element of development for me 
has been adding the actors. As, as Mark said, this group of actors is so fantastic and creative that they'll like, you know, bring something in. And I'm not the kind of director who will say, no, I didn't come up with it, so we're not doing it. it it's more like, I like to have artists collaborate and then I'll make the final decision. And it's across the board, everybody's brought in stuff within the guidelines and and just kind of brought their own personas and ideas to it, which is, I mean, there have been a couple of characters that Mark and I imagined one way. And then when we fit them on the actor, the actor has sort of taken them in a different direction, which is completely valid and even more interesting and serves the story better than we had imagined. So it's that to me is super exciting because like I said, I like to be a collaborator rather than a dictator. So it's it's really sort of even fleshed out the script even more and made it even more immediate. And yet they they didn't like change the script no, really no, in, not beyond the one or two lines here and there. And we were always happy to say, you know, it's like you know, if you come up with a joke, you know, we'll put it in. But there really wasn't that much of it. Most of it was just, you know, what they did with the characters more than, you know, changing the script. One of my favorite things that happened was that Mark came to me and said, can we add this character into the scene? You know, there's no reason not to. And it was just kind of like, like a light, you know, it's like, why didn't I think of that? You know, and it's like, and it just makes the scene so much better. And it's hilariously funny. And that character ends up like sort of taking off, taking the scene away. I mean, you know, walking away with the scene. It's it's hilarious. But I mean, it was just one of those things that we came up with in in rehearsal and and just worked out so beautifully. You know, yeah, and those I mean, are the it, kind of stuff I love. Yeah. It didn't make logical or story sense, but it would have made visual sense because I'm like looking at it going, well, everybody's in the scene except for so-and-so. Can we put them in? And it, it sort of fixed it. I'm not that it was broken, but it just really kind of lifted it all the way yeah, up. It and it's went up even more. Really great. And that's, I, I have to say, one of the things, and I, I think Mark could chime in on that as well, is that every time we did a reading or whatever, got feedback on something, the changes were so easy. It was never like, oh, my God, how do we fix this? It was like, oh, we just do this and this and this. And then it just, I mean, uh, just everything was so easy, which is shocking, you know, yeah. because as a writer, you know, it's also nice to have a collaborator. So, you know, to play off of, because mm -hmm. a lot of times I'll be like, oh, I'll go back to it sometime, you know. But, I mean, it really helps a lot to have somebody else, you know, playing off of you going, well, let's do this. And it's like, you know, and it just, and it just feeds on itself and it's been, you know, fantastic. That is so wonderful to hear. And it's entirely reflected in the show. Mark Finley, as not only the co-playwright, but the director, I'm curious to know, is there a message or a thought you're hoping audiences take away from this? I, I it's, it's interesting when, I, I talked to somebody early on about the gender switching and stuff that is involved. It's meant sort of as, again, it's pure theatricality. And it, it's giving actors the chance to do more acting and to sort of take a step outside of sort of, you know, realism and kitchen sink sort of drama-rama. It's, you know, it's, it's sort of a wink at the audience 
but it's not like a like a full on elbow to the ribs. And my sort of my sort of feeling with that is as a gay man and as a as an artist, sort of what the couple of things that I've used as inspiration are growing up and watching these old films and sort of inserting myself into the story like, you know, well, I'm so-and-so in this one or I'm so-and-so in that one. It's sort of like a wish fulfillment of that. It's sort of like, and we're sort of doing that for real on stage. You know, Mark plays Veronica. Is he playing this as, you know, this huge camp fest? Here's a guy in a dress and that's the basis of the humor. No, it's, it's a guy playing a woman. It is inserting as a man, inserting yourself into that story as a fantasy. So I'm sort of trying to deliver that Hollywood fantasy. And the other kind of thing I'm thinking about is as a, if, if you're using gender switching as code for gay lesbian, if this is set in the night, since the story is set in the 1950s, um, and the the sort the story, there are a couple of hints at outside things going on, but the story is super, super white, straight looking Hollywood 1950s thing. Well, here are people swapping genders, right, left, and center. So it sort of to me says, well, we may not be in the story, but we're in the story. So um I don't know if that's like the message <laughs> of the play. I think the message of the play to me is just forget about what's happening in your life for an hour and a half and come just watch a silly movie, you know, just have a good time. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, because I am playing a woman in this, in the show, I, it was one of those things I, I hadn't originally, when I first were talking about it, I really didn't want to play the lead. I was, thinking of playing more of the character roles and and it just kind of worked its way in and said okay well I guess this is who I'm playing one of the big things for me because I'm an actor and a character actor and I'm usually the one playing the different roles is that because we have video sequences between the the scenes that <laughs> I wanted I wanted to play a number of different characters as well and and certainly male characters which I couldn't do because of the makeup I can't I can't really change characters I could have probably played a second character but it would have had to have been a woman just because of the makeup and and trying to get in and out of the thing so it was kind of you know we we planned all the videos in some ways to have time for people to change into the next scene as well but it also has some really fun stuff in it and it it gave all the actors chances to do Parts that, you know, I mean, I, I I love that. And I think one of my favorite things is the fact that there's a game show on it and I play all the panelists. <laughs> I think, that, you know, it's just a lot of fun, which is what I would have done normally. But I, I really went into this as a character actor of trying to create a character who is very real in the way that those actresses in those movies of that era were real and yet some like what what am I trying to say the uh, heightened reality in some ways but not fake 
And that was, it was a long journey <laughs> to get there, but I feel like I got there finally, so, you know, it, and it's been incredible fun. We had to kind of start on the, just looking at it from a director's point of view that <laughs> I kind of wanted to build it um, sub to stu substance first before we get to style so that the relationships are real yeah. until we so we we know and we live and we know what they are so that we can step back at them and sort of then approach them with a little bit of tongue in cheek with a little bit of sleight of hand so it's not a joke it is like 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 mark said it's a heightened reality that and that's what makes it land it's the closeness that makes it land not the distance right that is wonderful and that is fully fully communicated through this piece i yes i absolutely love it when i caught on to the gimmick of of the people playing multiple roles in that it became a game of like okay so which new person are we going to meet now and who's it going to be and good it was so much fun seeing the actors not only just play different characters but like polar opposites mm -hmm. which was great and so i that's just it's a lot of fun it is well, just it was really uh, i was telling somebody about this recently that it it became a challenge in casting when you were saying, you know, playing very different characters to find, like, if you're you're looking at the actor that plays the leading man and the ex-husband, you're looking at somebody who can play a young guy, a young kind of dippy guy, and an older, sort of suave, sophisticated guy. For, for the other actor, you know, we're looking for an ingenue and sort of an Eve Arden type, you know? It's, it's, we didn't slut, we don't have actors that are just, oh, they're the, the dumb blonde type because each of their roles is really different. So it made for, so we got really difficult excellent casting. actors. <laughs> what? I said it made for a difficult casting. Yeah. Cause we need the kind of, those people. Yeah. Yeah. Actors that are really versatile. And, and again, I think we've got a gift of like really tremendous understudies to be able to kind of understudy all those roles, let alone just two or three. So right. that was yeah. tough. That was really tough. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're and they're, they're, yeah, they're extraordinary. So yeah, we really lucked out in terms of everybody. But what's interesting is being on stage with them, I, I forget that they're one actor, you know, it's <laughs> like, so I, 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 you know, it's like, I'm, I really believe they're the person that they come in as, you know, I don't think it's like, oh, there's so-and-so as such and such, you know, it just, it, it's just on stage. It just feels so real. That's nice. Very interesting. That is all fantastic. I love that. And it leads to my final question for this first part, which I'm going to start over with you, Mark Castle. Okay. Who do you hope have access to the show? I know recently it was announced that there's $20 student tickets and $35 TDF tickets, but is there a specific person or group you hope have access to this piece? I just, I think, you know, anybody who loves old movies certainly are people that would absolutely love this, but it's, you know, there's a lot of references that, that you know, certain people get, but it's, it doesn't matter. You know, they're kind of like thrown away. You know, we mentioned like, like real people in the theater, historical figures, but also fictional figures. Nobody really needs to know any of that stuff. It's just 
a really good time in the theater. I don't think it's like, oh, it's only for this person or this, you know, I think anybody who really enjoys to laugh because I think it's funny, but it's funny. I, I really wanted to go for as much as wit as we could, you know, rather than sort of very base, you know, humor. So I, I feel like a lot of it is sophisticated in a way, but I think it's a very enjoyable piece on so many levels that I, I hope that, you know, that everybody will enjoy it. And I look forward to, you know, having as many people who want to come, please come. So. love to pull the curtain back and let our listeners get to know our guests a little bit more pick your brains if you will and i would love to start by asking the two of you what or who inspires you what playwrights composers or shows have inspired you in the past or just some of your favorites and mark finley could i start with you on this sure well i gotta say my favorite actor and we share the same birthday, though not the same year, is Meryl Streep, because girl can do anything. And I just listened to an audiobook that she narrated, which was like, Tom Lake, go get it. It's fantastic. She narrates it, and it's fantastic. So she's definitely my favorite artist. My favorite playwrights, well, my, my theater company, I run a LGBTQIA plus theater company, oldest and longest producing in New York City, Tassos, check us out, co-founded by Doric Wilson, who was one of the first gay playwrights. So I owe a lot to him and his life and work really inspire me. And one of his contemporaries, Lambert Wilson, is probably my favorite playwright. Currently living playwrights, I like Matthew Lopez a lot. You think I would have like snap answers right away, I, I but I always have to think because I'm afraid I'm gonna like, you know, forget somebody or piss somebody off. So I'm I'm gonna like go with that. <laughs> that. That is a fantastic list, though. I love that, Mark Castle. How about you? What are who inspires you? What's funny that I mean I. I'm a theater kid. I was, you know, I'm also very old, so I've been around a long time. And I was very lucky when I was a kid that my parents took me to the theater. So I saw all these shows, you know, I, I it's funny because we just saw the Encores production, but I think my first show was Once Upon a Mattress. And over the, it's, it's funny because I was thinking about a lyricist, because I'm also a lyricist. I was in the BMI workshop at, at for a number of years and as a lyricist. And, you know, so, so lyrics were really important to me. And Marshall Bearer, who was the lyricist for, for Once Upon a Mattress, was a huge influence. Him, Sheldon Harnick, you know, people like that, that I saw those shows. I mean, I got to see, you know, I, I oh, well, an interesting little thing is that I grew up with Jerry Bach who wrote Fiddler and all those shows. I went to school with his son, George. I used to sleep over at his house. So, you know, I have, I, I, yeah, I've been around a long time. And also as a child actor. So I was in the theater from the age of 10 on. I did my first show 
I was the understudy in a thing called Place for Bleecker Street by Thornton Wilder. So if wow. I wanted to name somebody who I I'm I'm a I was a huge Thornton Wilder fan, and it's my first show. And in fact, my first thing I ever did, even before that, non-professionally, was Our Town. I played Wally Webb <laughs> in camp. But my first show was Place for Bleecker Street by Thornton Wilder. He was still alive at the time, although I didn't meet him because I came in later. I came in after it had just opened because that's when they usually bring in the understudies. And, you know, I work with all these incredible people. The director of Place for Bleecker Street, which was at the Circle in the Square, was Jose Contero, who's, wow. you know, considered one of the great directors of all time, directed that incredible production of Moon for the Misbegotten on, on Broadway years ago that's considered one of the great, you know, O'Neill productions ever. And I got to see it, obviously. So, you know, I was very influenced by, you know, the golden age of Broadway, you know, particularly musicals back then as well. I was on the tour of Camelot, the national tour of Camelot when I was a child with Catherine Grayson and Louis Hayward and uh, Arthur Treacher <laughs> before the fish and chips. Before the fish. So <laughs> I've been I've been I've been around and have, you know, have worked within the theater on and off for a very long time. I'm not going to give you. I, I've been okay. I've been an equity member for 60 years. Thank you very much. I started very young. That you emerged from the womb. You got your equity card. I love pretty that. Pretty much. <laughs> Thank you. So it is a wonderful list, though. I love yeah. that. Some really great yeah. names. What wonderful experiences. Yeah, I, it was extraordinary. And to be part of that era, even in a small way, you know, I, I think back on it. I mean, just it was it was just an amazing time. I mean, I was on tour when Kennedy was shot and in Camelot, which was, you know, I mean, that was that was, you know, we th there's all this stuff about it. The Alan J. Lerner's book talks about that because that that was the main production of Camelot at the time that he was shot and we were in Pittsburgh at the time actually so I mean there's a lot of story I have a lot of stories theater stories but it's very influential and again you know old movies were very influential I I loved his okay I love Noel Coward I love Noel Coward plays so well, that is actually a perfect lead into my favorite question to ask guests. And I'm really, really excited to hear yours because you've been already sharing some wonderful stuff. I'd love to know from the two of you, what is your favorite theater memory? I, I'm very lucky because there are so many. I did see, I you were talking about Hello, Dolly, and I saw the original. And I, I was talking about the two greatest performance I saw as a kid was, believe it or not, Carol Channing in Hello, Dolly. It was the most, it, it was it was larger than life. We were talking about, you know, those type of characters. Very believable, but all the humor was completely surprising. You didn't know what she was going to do, and yet it felt totally honest. And the other one, and I'm so grateful that I got to see her, is Barbara Harris in The Apple Tree, one of mm. the great performances of all time. 
And so, you know, I've been very lucky. And we talked about Moon for the Miss We Gotten. I mean, Colleen Dewhurst and Jason Robards. I mean, some of the most brilliant acting I've ever seen on stage. So those, those are some of mine. I love those. Those are amazing. For me, the first one that really sprang to mind is, is really different. And it's a lot more recent in that I used to have this gig working for the company that provides assisted listening devices for Broadway shows. So I got to see a lot of shows on Broadway a lot for free. So I got to see things. I got a real education from seeing shows more than once, for instance. And I got to see things that I wouldn't normally go see, for instance, that I was glad. For instance, one of my first shows that I worked for was Dear Evan Hansen. And I wouldn't have gone to see that. I don't feel like I'm the target audience for that. So I wouldn't go. But I went, really loved it. Second time I watched it and I'm watching the direction. I'm watching the staging and how that tells the story. And then the third time I'm looking at the lighting. And then the fourth time I'm looking at the costumes. And so it was a real education Jumping ahead to the last theater memory and one of best theater memories that I had was I was working the closing night performance of uh, the closing afternoon performance of the band's visit. And I had seen it the previous year and I loved it. I was like sobbing and I don't cry like ever. And I'm in the theater just covered with tears and people are looking at me and I'm like, I don't know why this is happening, but it's happening. So I was fortunate enough to work that performance. And it was a little special because they were about ready to go out on a tour with it. So everybody who had done it before was there in the audience. So as I was coming in through the backstage, uh, Katrina Lank is walking off stage and she walks right by me. I'm like, oh my God. And then I like open the stage door. And because I'm a total geek, the stage, the entrance from the theater part where the people sit to the stage. Backstage. Yeah. It's a door with a, with a pulley and lever, like a weight system on it so that it doesn't come open. It's old, right? But it makes this big noise. And every time I would close the door, I would look at it to watch it go up and down, hear it make the noise and turn around, go to my station. Well, I did that and I turn around and all these people are, there's like six people sitting in a row and a guy talking to them, looking at me, look at this thing. And it's the composer. And I'm like, oh, shit. so I go up to my little booth and I'm getting ready before the show starts. The producers come out, everybody who's done the roles, they, everybody came out on stage. It was a big thank you. A cake came out. The composer and uh, David Cromer, the director, was there. They sang a little song that they had written for the cast. And, you know, I'm at my station. I'm just watching this and I'm like, this is so cool. I'm so grateful to be a fly on the wall watching all this happening. And then the show happened. And after every song, I love the show anyway. And after every song, it was like five minutes of applause. And then at the intermission and or afterwards, I'm packing up my station and who walks by? Norman Lear. Who walks by? The guy that originally played the lead, you know? And I was, I was just sort of geeking uh, out. <laughs> yeah, freaking 
geeking out, just like being part <laughs> of and not part of in in a really kind of special place. So that that's my most recent great theater memory. I love those. Those are amazing memories. Thank you both for sharing those. Well, as we wrap things up, I want to start by asking the two of you, do either of you have any other projects or productions coming down the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? Well, as I mentioned, <laughs> I'm the artistic director of The Other Side of Silence, which is New York City's oldest and longest producing LGBTQIA plus theater company. We're currently in residence down at the Flea Theater on 20 Thomas Street. And our company was founded in 1974 by Dork Wilson. So this is our 50th anniversary. And to celebrate that, we're uh, doing Dork's most celebrated play, Street Theater, down at the Flea, with the dates aren't set yet, but we information will be up on our website soon which is www.tossnyc.org. But we're looking at running three weeks in July and the first week in August. So be on the lookout for that. Easy. And interestingly enough, I'm a member of the American Renaissance Theater Company, and which is probably the best workshop in New York. I mean, it's extraordinary. And we are celebrating our 50th anniversary. Wow. And they're doing, yeah, I know, isn't that amazing? And we're doing four stage readings, two of which have already happened, and then there's another one in, in a week. And then the fourth one is the week after we close, and I'm actually in that. It's ID Fixe by Joe Oh God, I'm going to go blank, but it's, it's, it's a wonderful play. And I get to play all these men. I get to right. be back doing, doing the, the character actor thing again. So it's kind of a nice choice from going to, you know, from Veronica into all that stuff. And let me just, one other thing. If you come to this show, Mark has a cameo on video, I do. which yes. is really yeah. great. So, you know, you yeah. don't want to miss it. So definitely go see that. So. <laughs> that is wonderful. So some great irons in the fire that we need to keep our, our eyes and ears out for. And that is a great lead into my final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about Deadly Stages or about either of you, perhaps they'd like to reach out to you. How can they do so? I have a website. It's markcastle.com, M-A-R-C-C-A-S-T-L-E.com. So everything about, you know, my past and all the things that I've done over the years, all the very bizarre characters I've played, you know, male and female, but mostly male, are on that. So, you know, check that out. Mark is Tosses, so. Yeah, Best way to get a hold of me or find out anything about me is check out the Tassos website. Again, that's www.tossnyc.org. Wonderful. Well, Mark, Mark, thank you both for joining me today and taking the time. Well, you can just call us the Marks. The Marks. <laughs> that's yeah. that's our that's, people call us the Marks. So, well, With next. Marks, thank you both so much for joining me today <laughs> and sharing this wonderful show. Thank, Thank you, you so much for Thank the wonderful evening of theater. I had an absolute blast. And I know you're bringing so much joy and fun to audiences as this show continues its run. So thank you so much for your time today. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. 
My guests today have been the co-playwright and star of the show, Mark Castle, and the co-playwright and director of the show, Mark Finley. As I've mentioned, both are involved with the show Deadly Stages, which is playing now through March 16th at Theater Row. Tickets and more information are available at bfany.org. We also have some contact information for our guests so that you can stay up to date on all their many, many projects coming on the pipeline. Continue to support these great artists. And we will be posting that on our social media post as well as on our episode description. But right now, if you're looking for a great night out at the theater, head over to Theater Row and check out Deadly Stages, playing now through March 16th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater in a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac. By Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.